training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pandola Project. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Pandola Project. I'm your host, Matt Pandola. And I'm producer Jake Parker, and we had such an inspiring guest to share with you guys today. Yeah, man, Chad Belding. That guy has a lot of energy. I feel like I got to go do some push-ups or something. I feel like I want to go start a business, Matt. I am inspired after listening to Chad. The way he talks about how he built this TV show, his brand, the duck calling, the hunting, and this huge culture that he's got around him. The guy is just kind of a cult personality. Yeah, Chad's one of those guys, he built a lot with a little. And that's not to put him down in any way. I feel like he really didn't have a lot of opportunities in front of him. He more created those opportunities. Fell on his face a lot of times. He talked about being a failure quite a bit, failed at baseball, but got up and moved forward and used a lot of that fortitude, a lot of that ability that he learned to move forward through sports, through activities, and used it in his business life as well. And then he took those opportunities, he made a success out of them, and then he implemented those to serve other people. He even talked about people who maybe at first don't really like him, maybe disagree with him on certain values that he holds. He invited them over for dinner and all of a sudden they're fast friends. Yeah, so Chad's been a client of mine for a long time. He's definitely a close friend at this point as well. But some people don't even know this. I actually am the health and fitness advisor for his podcast, which is called This Life Ain't For Everybody. And I'll tell you, we have a good time talking on that show together. It's been interesting having the roles reversed today listening to him all this time thinking it's so easy now realizing that it's actually hard to be the interviewer but he made it easy he made it fun it was really exciting to be able to interview him for the first time yeah and his style is really you know he takes the lead and so it was also interesting for me getting to watch him be the interviewee watching you in the host chair was also interesting yeah so hey without further ado Chad Belding, everyone. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pandola Project, where we're learning to get 1% better every day. So today I am super, super fortunate to have my good friend, my good buddy, and I truly mean that he's a good friend of mine for now going on last six, seven years, Chad Belding. And Chad has his own company called Banded. He also has a reality show called The Foul Life, and he has his own podcast called This Life Ain't For Everybody. So, Chad Belding, tell me all about how you got into these uh, companies. What got you started with these companies, buddy? Matt, appreciate you having me. Uh, Happy to be part of the Pandola Project podcast. Congratulations on launching it. Uh, I think uh, out of college, I just I started thinking real fast of how can I work for myself? How can I, I I had some mentors. I I took a lot of business classes at UNLV, had a college baseball career, and I just really was intrigued with business. I was intrigued with the entrepreneurial spirit. And I soon found one of the first things that I ever found out was I wasn't going to learn anything from the get rich quick or how to be a millionaire, the millionaire next door. There, There was so many books out there. And I found one that was called lucky or 
good. And it was the harder you work, the luckier you get. It was written by a guy named Bo Peabody, and it was a real short book. And he intentionally wrote it really short because it was about we can set up our own luck through hard work. And my dad always stressed that you're put on this earth to work. One thing that we can take that we're born with is a work ethic, and we can take it to the grave as our work ethic. And through life, some people choose to give that work ethic up and not use it. But I honestly think that we're all born with the ability to work. And I wanted to be a worker, and I wanted to work for myself. So right out of college, I started designing little companies that I I had one called Foul Language. And the motto was, if you can't speak it, you're ducked. And it was about giving duck call lessons and goose call and predator call lessons. And and I never heard that. I I still have the posters. And I'll be danged if people didn't call me up and hire me. And I would be driving to California. And a guy brought me to Idaho for 10 days and paid me to teach him how to blow a duck call. And I probably wasn't even qualified at that point in my life to give instruction but i was confident enough to do it and I, w- I found out that i was a good coach i could coach somebody how to swing a baseball bat or blow a duck call and um that i think that that uh, that ability to coach or the ability to be coachable is what brought me to the 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 realization that hey i know for a fact that i can motivate myself i can wake up early every day go to bed as late as i need to to start a business or start a brand and to be you know to build it and to form it and out of college, I, I, I soon learned that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I, the first company that I really got involved in was a, a portable toilet company called Sierra Restroom Solutions. I had two partners that actually you know, brought me in on the deal because they financed it, Keith Caperos and Charles Opio. And we built that company up for six years, started it in 2003, sold it in 2009. And Along that time, I was becoming more and more involved in waterfowl calling, duck calling competitions, goose calling competitions, and I started to have some success. And through that success, I began to be able to network. I'd go to different parts of Canada, the United States, and I was meeting people in the industry, companies, personalities, different callers, and I was starting to develop this network to where I started getting invited on different trips. People might have saw my personality or my ability to speak or whatever it was, and I soon was able to go and film. DVD series with Zinc Calls, Avery Outdoors, Greenhead Gear Decoys. And then they begin to sponsor me and start paying for my entry fees or my transportation, my travel to and from these different contests. And I was I was winning some, I was losing some, I was getting eliminated in the first round, making the finals and some. And that's what not what I was keying in on. I was keying in on that network. And I was like, man, I'm getting all these opportunities because of this little duck call or this goose call. And then I got in, in 2000. Uh, six, I got invited to film with Ducks Unlimited and they came, they wanted to come out West and hunt Nevada, California, Idaho. And I, I said, yeah, let's go. And at the end of that trip, I, 30 days later, I received a call from their production company, which was out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. His name was Mike Devine and he owned a company called Divine Productions. And he said, would you ever be interested in, um, developing a show around you and your life and your personality? And I said, heck yeah. He said, let's go to work. I'm really interested in it. So we started going to work. Potential sponsors, going to SHOT Show, talking to people, trying to find the right name for it. My first name that I ever came up with was Dr. Duck. And now there is a Dr. Duck out there. But the whole deal was I was going to sign a prescription for success at the end of every episode of something that I learned on that hunt from the local, the locale or the people that I was meeting or the place I was or what made us successful on that hunt. And I was like, man, that's lame. I can't do that. I'm not good enough to actually like take the credit on, hey, we were successful today because of something I did. Because duck hunting is way more than what we could ever do. So um, 
one thing led to another, Matt, and Mike ended up calling me and saying his mom came down really ill and they had to put her in the Mayo Clinic and he had to dedicate all of his time and finances to that. And I completely understood. And I asked him, I remember, I, I remember where I was when this happened. And I said, do you mind if I try this on my own? And he says, please do and keep me updated and good luck, my man. And I leaned back in my chair after that phone call. I looked to my left and I had this big mountain in my office and it's nine banded greenheads. Bands are something that the government puts on the leg of a duck to, to watch their migratory routes and their habits. And they're all coming through these trees. And the name of that mount, that taxidermy mount, was Strike Up the Band. And I said, I'm going to try to name a company Banded. And I got on the phone with my intellectual property attorney, Brian Hardy, and I said, hey, do you think that we could try this with the, you know, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office? And he said, I'm going to try. And we got it. We got as significant as that name is in waterfowl hunting. We got it registered. And then we started the foul life off of that. We went to air in, in fall of 2009 after we filmed all of 2008. And after we had started that whole venture in 06 with Mike Devine, it kind of just kept maturing and morphing into this, this band that now Bandit is one of the largest waterfowl companies in america we have over 3500 products my co-founders and partners are christian curtis and eric larsgaard and rick frisch my brother clay and then we have an investor named brandon adams who really has been the 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 source to in the the muscle behind banded getting to where it is today him and his brother brian have been so instrumental in providing leadership and management skills and the whole infrastructure of what it really means to have a business a board of directors and people a chain of command and a cfo and a ceo and a COO. So I've been learning all this business along the way and banded morphed into what it is. And the foul life is in season 11. Now off of the foul life came the this life ain't for everybody podcast. We're 13 months old. Now we're in our 90th episode and the sponsorship and attention to that has grown significantly. And now we just launched a new brand and company named jargon duck calls jargon. You know, that's the, the spe- specified language that, you know, that a group of people talk pilots talk a different jargon. You talk one in the gym, Jake might talk one in radio or production and i looked at him like that makes sense in duck calling wild game calling as a duck hunter we talk a certain jargon less than i might talk one of hey guys get down cover up hey guys here they come shake the water pull the jerk shing. well that doesn't mean anything to a surgeon or a pilot it means something to a duck hunter and then we talk a, a different jargon to our dog watch steady say his name to send him hot you know retrieve or, or fetch or heal or whatever we talk that jargon and then we uh, third and foremost we talk a certain jargon to the wild duck we have a whole vocabulary that we speak to them so that name jargon has become significant and now we're trying to build that community and that national brand and it's it's hopped off pretty good as well let me tell you, i just heard a few different important life lessons while you're talking just now you have so much energy and so much good attitude about everything you do. You focus on every single day. You focus on every moment. And when you're talking to somebody or when somebody's in the room with you, you make them feel important. I've always felt that about you. Jake, do you remember when Chad, he came into the gym? This was a while back. This is when I first got started. You were you you were uh, around, but do you remember just uh, watching that guy come into the gym and everybody kind of knew he was there and he just has that kind of aura about him where you want to be more productive just because he's around, right? I definitely noticed that guy is an entrepreneur. 
<laughs> yeah. Because you've got that energy, Chad. Just like Matt was just saying, you are inspiring to be around, and I bet you back it up, too. It, you, obviously, you have all of your brands and your, your companies, and that's where that energy is going to, and you have success to show for it, man. I think it's really infectious. It's really inspiring. You know, one thing I think about is grace, gratitude, and guts, and I, I learned that from Bobby McGee. That's his quote. He's the Olympic uh, coach that I work with. But I tell you what, you have those things in spades. You always are grateful along the way. You just talked about people who helped you along the way. I feel that you never can completely make it on your own. You always need some help along the way. But the difference is this to me, Chad, is you're one of those guys, truly I mean this, that people believe in you because you have the right kind of attitude. You are humble. You're going to work hard, but you're also going to keep your ego in check and you're going to have the right intention. And I think like I've I've uh, mentioned before my good friend Les Nesbitt, who's also in a podcast with us. I still remember to this day, I had to pay off a bank loan and I had to pay it off within a few days. And and I did not have the money to do it. Les walks in at this time. He had been training with me for maybe, I think, seven years or so. He's now been with me for 17 years. And he walks in, he gives me a check. I paid him back every single cent, but I would not have been able to do that on my own. And I have to believe that that's because Les believed in me. I feel like you're one of those people that people want to back because I just think, well, hey, I'm kind of getting involved with you now, uh, being with with you in health and fitness for your podcast and also some other things we're working on. But it's like, I just want to be around this guy because I know he's on his way up. I want to go up with him. Yeah, and I appreciate that wholeheartedly. And I think that one of the lessons that I learned through my career is the broader you reach out and the bigger you get, it's it's you you've, you've always heard that mo money mo problems deal well it's it's like that in all parts of business to where you have the the opportunity to meet so many different people and along the way i started getting to the point to where i had i had so much stuff coming in man i had all this gear i had i could put my fingertips on so many things that were readily available to me all the time and then I'd go and I'd meet a landowner, I'd meet a farmer, I'd meet a a sponsor, somebody on a hunt, and I would tell them something like, yeah, man, I can get you a gun. Yeah, I can get you ammo. Yeah, I can get you some banded waders. And then it just started to build up to where I found myself, I'm like, I'm like a yes man. I can't say no. And I'm like, one of the most important things I've learned in business is you have to discipline yourself to be able to say no and choose the right way to say yes and when to say yes, because it teaches you to be, it teaches you to hold yourself accountable. And I think that now my maturity level in business is one of, I'm not going to say anything to anybody that I'm not going to do. It might take me a little bit longer than I tell you that it will to get something done. But I I remember days where a year would go by and somebody would make a remark like, oh yeah, I remember that duck call you were going to get me and I'd feel like an idiot. Now I make sure that through myself, our organization, our team, our infrastructure, that if I say somebody's going to get something or something's going to get done, it's going to get done. And I think along those, those lines is that, that that has allowed me to surround myself with the, the right people that are going to support us. I'm a collector of people. Zach Brown taught me that a long time ago. I'm not a name dropper. He's become a good friend, a mentor in business. He's very successful in music and he has created a livelihood that people would strive for. I don't want to people to look at my lifestyle and become envious or jealous. I think that that is what kills the root of our fabric or the, 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 the fabric that makes us up as a human community in America. Jealousy and envy kill us. Haters kill the drill. 
I don't want to be somebody that I look at somebody in life and on social media, it's real easy to see quote unquote success being lived out these days. And it's easy for somebody, a kid or an adult to go, man, I wish I had that. Well, I wanted to be that person that said, Hey, I want to be able to help you and give it to you or mentor you. So I become like a collector of people. And I think that that's what I learned along the way is that if I could have people supporting me, and be a part of it, know their seats on the bus, and create that momentum and that snowball effect, then everybody would take ownership in what you were trying to build. And pretty soon, we have 100 people working for us through the Foul Life and Bandit and the podcast and Jargon and, and all of our different ambassadors and pro staffs and our sponsors, and it's a huge network. And it takes a lot of maintenance and a lot of, of upkeep. And if you're not willing to wake up in the morning and shoulder that responsibility, then you can't be an entrepreneur. You can't take on that and, and, and build a national brand. Only 2% of brands survive the infancy stage nationally. It's very difficult. It's probably the hardest thing to do in business is to build a national brand. And now that we've done it and now I'm trying to do it again, I just sit back and pinch myself. But I've always been like, had that like guilty complex of like, man, I didn't follow through. I don't deserve this. And that's easy for somebody like you. It's like, man, I, I don't have to work as hard as I did when I was 30. Well, no shit. You, you did all the time. You worked as hard. And it's hard for an entrepreneur. It's hard for somebody as mentally disciplined as you or I to accept success. Because we're sitting there going, what happened to the nights living in the car? What happened to the nights working until 3 in the morning? We still do it, but not as, not as much, right? right? And it's hard to accept when all of a sudden you're like getting these offers that Bobby McGee or somebody has given you or that I get through my network. I'm like, really? I get to do this because I'm a duck hunter? I get to go jump out of an airplane at 10,000 feet with an army ranger strapped to my back because I'm a duck hunter? No, it's because I paid attention to those rangers. I gave back to the military. I provided things that I said I was going to provide to the freedom hunters or the wounded warriors program or whatever it was. And then when I look at it, I'm like, I get to do all of this because of hunting and hard work and dedication and sacrifice and everything that I did for all those years because I could have felt flat on my ass and on my face, Matt, and not got a paycheck. I didn't get a paycheck for the first 18 months. I left a really good company and job to go out and start these brands and businesses. I could have failed. Anybody can fail. And I think that I'm, I'm going off on a lot of different tentacles there, the octopus. But the, the one thing that I know for sure is that it has taught me to hold myself accountable and follow through in everything that, I'm, that I say I'm going to do. All right. Now, you, you can you can go off as, as long as you want to because you continue to bring up so many good points. I know that I'm taking mental notes in my head. I really want to talk about the guts part, too, though, because I'm fortunate enough I've worked hard in my business and became secure, financially secure. And that's easy enough to fall back to when you know that you don't have to sleep out of your car anymore. Or uh, for me, it was under the stairs in my gym when I first started up. But there is a point where you start to realize that you're a little bit stagnant and you haven't taken chances and you realize that you're, you fear it. You fear the changes that might occur if you try to expand. And I watched you also Joey Gilbert, lucky enough to train him too. He was a world-class boxer. And then he also now is an attorney. I know both you guys have taken a lot of chances and I know there's, there was a time when I probably had more uh, saved up in the bank than you guys, let's say, but then I watched you guys grow and take chances and expand. And I thought, man, why why shouldn't I do that? Well, I'm afraid. I got to get the guts part down. And you guys inspired me to do this. This is part of expanding the brand for me with this podcast. But, uh, you know, I thank you because you're helping somebody like me 
expand. And it's not uh, all the time that I feel like when you're coming into my gym, I'm there to help you. Once in a while, I have somebody who, actually, I shouldn't say once in a while. I think a lot of my clients do inspire me in different ways. But in this particular way, I really learned to get a little bit more gutsy and go for it. So I appreciate the fact that you've been an example for that for me. Well, that's awesome to hear. And I think that the word guts is so significant in the entrepreneurial spirit of America. And I, I just don't, I don't want it to ever get to the point to where people think that we got inherited this. I've heard so much publicly about me that my dad left me all this money when he passed away. My dad was a union plumber. I mean, we, we didn't grow, I didn't grow up in that kind of family. We got to go on a family vacation once in a while. And, and it humbled me to watch how much sacrifice my mom and dad made. And now I see how blessed we are to have what we have as a family and me taking over that role as my dad is the leader in the family. I didn't want to let anybody down and I don't want to let anybody down in business or with the foul life. I want to be an ethical hunter. I want to promote safety. I want to promote youth. I want to promote the morals that go into it, the the idea that we're privileged to do this and not entitled. All of that is from my upbringing. So I'll be danged if I'm going to let somebody down based on something I said I was going to do. And then on top of that, with what you're saying and reiterating the guts part, it takes guts to go out and say, I'm going to be responsible for somebody else's livelihood. People are waking up and going and clocking in at Pendola Training and making a paycheck from you. you. That's because of you. You're responsible for them now. You chose to take on that pressure of saying, yeah, we're going to have enough business. We're going to grow enough. We're going to become big enough. We're going to do videos. We're going to do podcasts. We're going to go with Bobby McGee and the Olympic training team and all of the things that you've done, all the athletes and the families that you have made an impression on. That takes guts to do that. And as entrepreneurs, if you if people always ask me, how do I become a professional hunter? And I always tell them, education network communication transparency honesty humility has nothing to do with how good you can shoot or how good you can blow a duck call or how good you can train a dog any there's tons of duck hunters that are way better than me thousands of them probably millions of them there's there's kids 15 years old right now in america at this time when we're talking right now on this wednesday evening that will smoke me on a duck call they're practicing somewhere in louisiana or arkansas they'll smoke me day in and day out on a duck call so i i can't sit there and go i'm the best duck hunter in the world that's why i got all this I got the foul life, or I part part partly responsible for build a bandit, or or helping Benelli or Federal and the partners that we have. No, it's because of all of those attributes that the guts get you, building a network, shaking hands, looking somebody in the eyes, and following through on all that thing. Becoming a collector of people, like I alluded to with Zach Brown, is that I want to have a group of people around me that support us and have our back and believe in the same common goal: short term goals, mid term goals, long term goals. Finding that spirit within your soul to actually wake up and go to work for yourself, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to get out of that life of saying, yeah, I'm going to go clock in and clock out. I'm going to work for somebody else my whole life because that's comfortable. That paycheck is a given as long as you don't get fired or laid off. My dad got laid off all the time as a union plumber. I remember the pressure on my mom when, man, dad got laid off again. The winter came. There's not enough work. He's collecting unemployment. We're scraping by. We're getting government cheese and government milk. Not in a bad way. I'm not saying that's in a bad way. They did what it took to raise three kids. My mom had three boys by the time she was 22. Times were different back then. My dad was a union plumber. But you know what my mom did after she had three kids by 22? She went back and got her nursing degree from the Orvis School of Nursing at UNR in 85. And then in 1991, she received her master's and became a nurse practitioner. And now she's pretty much an MD doctor that's a badass in the medicine field. And she helped save many lives in oncology 
oncology and cancer research, all because of perseverance and having the guts to go back at the same time as having three kids in bed while she's working the graveyard shift at the veterans hospital as a nurse. So that's really where I got my stamp, you know, my, my, my perseverance of saying, I ain't quitting. You can knock me down. You can talk all the smack you want. You can say that we can't do something. You can say that we got lucky or I inherited or we only kill ducks because we get to hunt the best places in the world. Wouldn't you want to hunt the best places in the world? It takes a lot to get the invite to go there. And I hope that you do someday, but don't down me because I got the invite. I'm not going to be that guy. So if they knew the story of watching my mom and my dad battle and struggle to raise three kids and what it it turned into, then maybe they wouldn't be so off to get on a keyboard and have keyboard muscle with a fake name living in their mom's basement and talk smack on the internet. (laughs) There's a saying, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And I learned that, um, he didn't come up with it, but I learned that from a guy named John Metzger, another client of mine that I'm so fortunate to know. And he became extremely successful in the casino industry. But he told me, you know, Matt, the more success I had, the more luck I was supposed to have had. So, you know, along the lines you were just talking about there, it's it's not real it's not about luck. I think sometimes you can get a little bit of luck coming your way, but really it does come down to that preparation for the right opportunity and you're just always working on it. You're always grinding away to figure out how to get maybe one more step closer towards your goals, but you're just never giving up and you don't expect it to be given to you, do you? No, I mean, you, if you if people understood the behind the scenes part of it, it's it'd be awesome if I was able to go to somebody right now and say, hey, I want to give you the foul life and you can have ownership and banded and you can be the host of this podcast. And, and oh, by the way, you're going to get a monthly check from Benelli. I'm just going to give that to you. That doesn't happen. It might happen if, if, if you inherited something. And I'm not saying that inheritance is bad. I know several families in this area that came from successful family money that started at the bottom. Take the Dolan family, for example. Tom Dolan has built an empire in cars. His sons all work for him. Anybody could easily go, oh, man, those guys have got it made. Rhino, I remember when Ryan was sweeping the service, service department floor. Brady did the same thing. They, they learned every single intricate detail and part of that business. And now, yes, Ryan is the CEO, and he's a genius at cars. He's rightfully the CEO of his dad's business, but he earned it. He could have easily become... Tom's son and got up there and messed it all up and went bankrupt. And then what does he look like? No, he's made it bigger and better. You've seen the size of the dealership and the size of the brand expanding. They just bought Dodge. So it's easily to pass that as easy to pass that assumption of, Oh, you just inherited all that. No. So inheritance can go either way. You might have somebody that inherits money and pisses it all away. Or you might have somebody that builds it and makes it bigger. Donald Trump, our president inherited a lot of money. There's a lot of ways to become wealthy and doing it through perseverance and from the ground up is the hardest way to do it. Being self-made is very hard. There's nothing wrong with the way that anybody does it as long as you're ethical and you do it right and you treat people fair. And going back to what you just said of, of you know, having the guts to do it, it has the guts to be somebody's son and say, yeah, I'll take on that family business and, 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 and try to grow the legacy bigger. Think about all of that. Anybody could fail at any given time. So it's unfair to ever pass judgment or, you know, my coach, my Football coach in, in high school always said, assume means you know you can make an ass out of you and me when you assume something. Well, it can. If you just live off of assumption, you can fail a lot of the times. It's better to get down and learn something about somebody. And that's what you get to do through conversation and transparency and, and learning about somebody. I don't think it's fair to anybody to pass judgment on them. No matter what race, no matter what lifestyle you live, no matter what, what, whatever it is, you should get to know somebody before you ever say anything about that person. You can easily say something about me. He is an arrogant piece of whatever. 
if you sit down with me and meet me or encounter me and then pass judgment on me. But don't get don't read something on the internet and just assume something, right? I've heard things about you in this community. I've heard things about a lot of successful business owners. You've mentioned Joey Gilbert. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that arrogant none of that. Dude, Joey's the kindest, sweetest. I text Joey today within eight minutes. I had a text back. He's he's further he's you couldn't be further from a quality human being than that guy. Yeah, he's a lawyer, and lawyers get a bad rap. He's a good lawyer. He's dedicated to business. He's dedicated to his daughter. He's dedicated to his body. So why would somebody at this day and time go, Joey Gilbert was a local badass fighter, right? And he was a national champion. I remember people locally would be like, oh, da-da-da. I'm like, you're, no, yeah, that's not him. He's not that good. Yes, he is. Go, go watch him work a bag. Go yeah. watch him fight. He was always, so I just don't think it's fair to, to judge somebody based on that. And the only reason I'm saying that is that it does take a lot of guts to do what you've done or do what I've done with the team. I've never done anything on my own. My brothers, Clint and Clay. Clint's got his own physical therapy clinic. He's got a master's in physical therapy. My brother Clay is so good at so many things, and he's helped me build the brands. My Everybody has added the the people that we have, Tom and Tyson and, and anybody that you see in our infrastructure, I couldn't do anything I do daily without them because they're doing all the little things that make the brand as big as it is. I can't do all that stuff. There's always behind the scenes guy. This podcast is only successful as Jake makes it sound. If he sits over there as a producer and you go home tonight and you listen to this and the audio sucks, I will not listen to something with poor audio. I could watch good TV with bad TV but good audio way longer than I can watch good video with bad audio. Jake, so, you better get on it, man. So, you don't want him getting after you. I'm awake. You. I'm awake. So nobody understands the behind-the-scenes guy. Yeah. You watch a concert of Zach Brown, you're like, man, he's unreal on that guitar. Well, what about his guitar tech that made sure that they were all tuned up? He could have went out there and been out of shape with his guitar and been like, what the heck? I just watched Hank Jr. the other night. He was pissed off as all get up at his guitar tech because everything was out of tune. His audio was off. So there's always somebody working to make the guy, the face guy or Matt Pandola look you know, as good as you are, your wife, your, uh, Zach now. People are working behind the scenes as we sit here and talk on this radio show to make your brand better and more brilliant. So that's, it's dumb to have an ego and it's dumb to ever pass judgment, get to know somebody and get to know the, the, you know, get down in the weeds and get to know the threads of what's going on. Yeah, no, I had to develop tougher, tougher skin when I became more known as a coach in this area. I, I thought, okay, you know, we have a lot of athletes that have gone to division one, they're Gatorade athletes of the year, state champions, national champions, uh, even, well, my world record holder for uh, juniors, Gabby Williams in the high jump. And then she went on to play for UConn. She was two-time Gatorade athlete of the year. She was on your podcast. Guys, you should listen to that. It's an exceptional interview with Gabby Williams with uh, Chad Belling on This Life for everybody but um i was supposedly so lucky to get her in my gym like she could go anywhere and i tell you i think most trainers would have just said how just train you for free because it's just your name alone she was she is a big name out of our area it's not a place like la where we just have all these professional athletes walking around so a person like her is kind of rare to have and she uh, she did definitely help to build my brand within reno because if gabby williams was going to train with me other people of uh, her caliber who wanted to get to her caliber we're going to train too so i supposedly got lucky there but gabby williams had torn her acl and it could have been something that could have changed the course of her career she trusted me with that and i i'll say flat out i worked my butt off to figure out what to do with her 
And what people aren't seeing is the 300 hours that I interned with a physical therapist. The time I went to uh, LMT school for, it took me four years because I had to go part-time to get my license. Those kind of things people aren't seeing, but I'm just lucky to get her. Well, do you pay her to be in your gym now? You pay her like <laughs> on the side of like, hey, here's some money, come in here? Don't no. give don't give her any idea. But here's the deal: is that how many opportunities in the last how many years has Gabby been with you? And now uh, I know her brother is as well. How many years has she been with you? She's she, been she's been with me about eight years now. Eight yeah. years. She mm-hmm. was a high school first team All American, a McDonald's All American. She was a starter at UConn and a, and a college D one All American. She was a first round draft pick in the WNBA to the Chicago Sky. She played overseas. She is still a, a leader on her team in the WNBA. How many? Kobe, Kobe Bryant's Kobe uh, Bryant. hired her to to uh, coach her daughter his daughters his daughter. to basketball. So how many opportunities do you think in the last? What's eight times three hundred? Is twenty four hundred plus? 65 you're looking at you know four close to 40 3500 days or whatever i'm not good at math how many opportunities does she had in 3500 days to go find another trainer oh absolutely every she's been around every good trainer in the world being the caliber absolutely. so do people think you're lucky to still have her nobody ever asked that how did matt keep her because he's good at what he does that's the whole difference is that, yeah, maybe you did get a little lucky that you got the opportunity to meet her and sell yourself to her or, or train her that first day. She could have went home and said, dude, this guy's off his rocker crazy. I'm never going back to him again. Eight years later, she's still training, not just training with you for strength conditioning, but for lunches, mentorship, injury stuff that when she comes in injured and you're working on her knees or something to get her back on the court. All of that stuff is not luck. That's because you're good at what you do and she believes in you. So people are dumb and ignorant and they ought to just go bury themselves in the hole they got out of this morning. How don't, did you keep don't Gabby hold back, Williams? Brother. Don't how hold did back. You, how did you keep her? Yeah, Unless you, you're paying her a couple hundred grand a year to come to your gym, which I know you're not. She's coming there for a reason. So that's what people should look at instead of saying, Matt got lucky. Trainers got weird egos in this area. There's a lot of that going around where you hear that chit-chat all the time. Yeah, I, I feel like it is in our industry, my industry, it's, it's, um, it's kind of a tough thing. We don't work together like we should uh, for the most part. And, of course, there are some people that uh, are exceptions to that rule. But you're right, especially I think I say this area, but I think that's got to probably be everywhere, really. And uh, we, we should. We should band together more. We'll all learn more. We'll be able to help our athletes more. And uh, I'm really lucky to have the circle of, of friends around me that I do. I've been able to get so much out of learning from you. I've been able to make progress for myself, but in turn, that helps my athletes like Gabby. And those opportunities are sometimes what I think people see as being lucky again and it's 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 not and you have to do the work you have to have the right intention i think gabby would would know right away if i didn't have the right intentions with her right so i'm lucky to have her but it's not luck that got me her i don't think right so let's uh switch gears a little bit and talk about how you were in L.A. last, uh, I think it was what, last weekend? You are in L.A.? Yeah, for about five days. Okay, and you were telling me about a hike you went on, and I, I will say um, when you first came into my facility, you had some weight to lose, and I, I know that you were a little self-conscious about that. You're on the TV screen. 
and you were a little self-conscious about your weight. You also wanted to improve the longevity, the shelf life of what you do. You wanted to be able to get out of the blinds without being in pain, those kind of things. And so you came into the gym with those kind of goals in mind. And you, of course, have turned from, you know, a zero to a hero. I'm just, you know, as a, huh. uh, right. But uh, no, you you were never a zero, but you had some work to do. And man, you, I mean, you've got abs, you're, you're lean, you're strong. Um, you really had a true transformation. And last thing I'll say about that is that I never take credit for that when somebody has those kind of transformations. I'm not really that trainer, as you know. I don't post things. I don't really make it about me. It's just That's just my personal opinion that I don't want to make it about me because I can't do that work for you. I can just guide you. I can tell you what I think is the best approach or the best direction to get towards your goals but you have to be the one that does the driving and you did that and you look amazing but more importantly you're healthy you're strong and you use that energy and that motivation to help others it's just um, a global kind of effect that you've had with your transformation so you know maybe talk a little bit uh, with your LA hike about what you saw there but how did you know how you felt about that situation where that was probably going to be you at one point trying to make it up that hill, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, first I'll start by one remark you made, comment you made just now about what that you're not doing it or, or getting us there, that we have to drive it. That is true. You have to be motivated and disciplined to even, ex, you know, want to participate in one of your workouts because they can be very challenging at this point in, in, with our group. But you do have exercises that are so practical that that all of us in that group live with every day that that makes sense for us to do, whether it's a trigger point that you want to get rid of. It's almost like your mind reader, because when I go in there, it's like, man, I, I really need to work on my hips. And the next thing I know, without me saying something, we're doing something that's going to attribute to my hips, either loosening up or feeling better or being more active, getting the blood flow better. In the last 12 days, I did a seven and a seven point seven mile hike, a nine point seven mile hike. Both of those were pretty rigorous in Montana, and then a five point seven mile hike down in L.A. up to the Hollywood sign. Which you hear the Hollywood sign, you're like, ah, that's a tourist trap. A lot anybody can do it. It's not the case. It's a lot of vert, vertical climb, distance wise, in the first hour and a half of that, or the first you know, probably two thirds of that hike up to that sign. There were so many people trying to do it in jeans and flip flops and out of shape and just think, oh, it's the Hollywood sign, no problem in the Hollywood Hills. They were all turning around less than half way up i was watching people turn around and i saw people that were just so flush red and just trying to find a shade spot to sit and they're hyperventilating almost i was watching my heart rate i jogged the second half of it with my girlfriend katie nothing was not we got up to the top we're like we could go again there was actually two navy seals up there that were running pushing their baby strollers that we watched when we were walking down there already on their second jog up pushing their baby stroller and i was like damn it so my point in saying that is that when I got back to the truck on those Montana hikes and that LA sign, the Hollywood sign hike, I felt a sense of accomplishment. So I can't imagine being a marathoner or a 5K'er or a half marathoner, one of these ultra marathoners or what you do in the, in, in the Xterra and the things that you do. I think that that's so important that if you can find a sense of accomplishment in a measly little 5.7 Hollywood Hills, Hollywood sign hike, then you could find it in anything in life. A 20, you always stress 20 minute walk every morning. Find a sense of accomplishment that can get you going to that next sense of accomplishment, that next level of accomplishment or satisfaction that makes you go, 
man, I feel good this morning. I look better. Look in the mirror. Oh, I look a little bit better. Vanity exists. I've said it before on this podcast and mine. Vanity's a true thing. It's a real thing. So the other thing that I did at 44 years old is that I just accomplished a two-legged, two-footed, no-step vertical jump to 44 inches, landing at 44 inches high at 44 years old. I would never think that I, I, I probably couldn't have even done that at 18 when I was playing baseball at UNLV. That 44, I can jump 44 inches of the air and land with both feet without taking a step. That's pretty high, right? 44 inches is up there. So at 44, to be able to do that with my springs or my calf muscles or my quads or my, my gluteus maximus or my butt muscles or my quadriceps that we worked so hard in the gym, that's a sense of accomplishment. You can't take that away from me. Right. You can't say you're out of shape or you, you don't, you can't jump. Yes, I can. I could swim for days. I could walk for days. I could run for days. I could be in the hills for days. I, I'm not going to be sore after I'm getting up and out of my layout blind. My ligaments aren't going to hurt. I'm not going to lose my balance. I'm not going to be as tired as I once was. It's all a sense of accomplishment. Set those little goals for yourself and get started. Yeah, no. When you walk in the gym, you mentioned before, you don't know. Sometimes I'm looking as I'm talking to you. I'm kind of doing a quick scan and body scan. You might have a little hinge in your hip or you might have a rolled shoulder and upslip somewhere that's uh, a little bit more evident. And we address those things. And over time, and it did take some time, I like this part to remind people that if you're going to do things, you've got to commit to them. And you did that. You committed to them because the first year that you were training, there were still a lot of things to work through and it was more slow going, but you were willing to do the work. And so, we, yeah, we got your springs going 44 is, is is amazing and yeah that's very athletic but it's all should be relative anyways that's that's kind of always my mindset is I want that strength to be relative to your why if we develop strength that's not relative then to me it's junk now with somebody like you I don't need to put you into a bodybuilding routine. You know, you're a big, strong guy. I just needed you to be able to use that muscle more relatively for hunting in your case, or just even for moving around every day without being in pain because you're just so busy. You're always busy. I actually don't even know how you do it all because you have to put out so much energy every day. And as much as I talk about recovery and proper recovery and, and how you can and have a better energy system overall, you still kind of an outlier in that sense where you defeat the odds because you're just always putting out energy. Um, I think that you've done a lot nutritionally, though, to be able to support that as well, haven't you? Yeah, you have to. I think that I'm, I'm not going to be the guy. I don't know how you, on the other end of the spectrum, I don't know how you stay so disciplined to the nutrition plan that you do um, with the ability, with the shape that you're in. You could easily have four, probably four cheat days a week, and you don't. I choose to eat very um, clean, as clean as I can, I should say, Matt, in the off season, because I know once hunting season is going to come, I'm probably not going to say no to Mr. Billy's fried catfish or his biscuits and gravy in Arkansas. But I want nor, to. Nor should you, I want to earn opinion. that. I want to be yeah. able to enjoy the things in my life. Like Stokes says, I'm going to have a glass of wine at night because I earned it. So I, I don't like saying the word cheat meals. I would rather say, I'm, you know, what's the quote on the wall is that athletes don't diet and exercise; they eat and train. And right. I, I want to eat to make my body have the fuel and the substance that it needs to be healthy and successful. I feel like the better I feel, the better I look, 
the better I'm going to achieve that day, the better that I'm going to act that day. I'm in a way better mood after a workout than if I get up and miss a workout. I'm in a way better mood if I get a good night's sleep, if I don't get a good night's sleep. I want to do those little things in life that are going to let me have the quality of life that I want to live. And I don't want to die at 54 like my dad did. My dad was a fluctuator in weight. He had several back operations. He worked in, he worked his body to the core, you know, to the bone every day as a plumber. And I, I don't want to die when I'm 54. You know, I don't want, I want to live and see Alyssa have kids and then I, you know, you always hear that is that, you know, the quality of life is what you make out of it. And I don't think that you can go through life and eat bad every day and not exercise every day and get a belly and not be able to bend over and tie your shoes or be out of breath getting out of the car. I've watched so many people. I watched two people yesterday struggle in a parking lot of getting out of their car. And I don't, I don't sit there and, and down them or make fun. of. I would never do that, but I sit there and go. What is it going to take for you to realize that you need to start cha- making some changes so you're not doing that? Because I don't care what you tell me. You could tell me till you're blue in the face, Pandola, that that person's happy. I'm going to say, no, they're not. There's no way. They might be happy if their kids are over and they get to play them, but you think it with getting out of a car, you're out of breath. You think you could really play with your kids in the backyard and not and, and be able to keep up with them? You can't do it. So nobody's going to ever persuade me that being overweight or out of shape or unhealthy is the, is a happy way to live. And I think that it, no matter if you can't afford Matt Pendola, if you don't have the time to go into a Pendola style training, no matter where you live in the country, there's ways to do it. You can get up and do some abs or stretching. You can go out and walk. You can get a jump rope. You can get some roll out, you know, some pads or something to roll out on. There's any, there's just a ton of ways to get started. And your videos are a great way that you and Aaron are doing to see that at, at your website. But I'm just, my, my whole point of that is saying, yes, you got to make sacrifices. You can't eat pizza every meal, even though pizza tastes great. You always said that you love French fries. You love an in and out burger once in a while, but you can't eat fast food every day three times a day, you can't do it. You got to take care of yourself. And I really think that that has a lot to do with our mental, our psyche, our approach, the way we treat people, our happiness levels, our confidence. Nobody looks in the mirror when the big old belly goes, man, I'm confident today. I just don't feel like that. So I think that, I think that that is what drove me is that I wanted to be taken serious and I want to live a long, healthy life. And who knows, I might walk out of here and get hit by a bus. I hope I don't, but I still want to get hit by that bus and have a chance to jump out of the way because I have the ability and the equilibrium and the balance and the know-how, the, the, what's it called? The wherewithal or whatever it's called to get out of the way of that bus. Right. If I'm out of shape and I'm lethargic and everything, I might not be able to get out of the way. But if I can do a 44-inch box jump and a 5.7-mile hike, I'm at least giving myself the chance to get out of the way of a Joey Gilbert punch at a bar on a Saturday night or out of the way of a bus that's coming down Plum Lane on a Wednesday afternoon. If you're out of shape and you're not ready for that and you don't have any awareness, you're, being in the gym has given me so much awareness in life. It makes me make better decisions. It makes me think, do I want to really get that extra cheese on this sub sandwich or can I make it taste good without all that cheese on it? All that cheese might be wasted calories or wasted fat grams or different intakes that you that you allow yourself during the day. Just making better choices has helped me significantly. I, I love what you're saying. One of the points that I was thinking about, you said I can have four cheat days uh, a week if I wanted. And I, I'm currently training for a marathon. I'm going to do the Spartan World Championship, so obstacle course racing. And I also have the trail championships race I'm going to. So I've got some things ahead of me that I, I have to look nutritionally at uh, taking or making better choices in part just to support that training. But I also have a bigger obligation. And to me, first of all, when I am working with my clients, 
experience. You guys deserve to get the best version of, of me. When you are in my gym, you deserve that. You've made your trip. You you uh, drive, what, like 30 minutes just to get to my gym. That's hour-round trip. Right, hour-round trip. I mean, you at least deserve to have my full attention. And I've long said this, that people, I think, are so far removed sometimes from realizing what poor choices that they're making without even really realizing it. They've been doing it so long they don't even realize how bad they feel from some of these choices because they have no set point to compare it to. But I know that if I'm eating off foods too often, I just start getting off. I don't feel like I have the focus I want to have. I don't have the energy I want to have. And I just don't want to, you know, be as active, period. And so th- that's part of why I just choose to, to make those decisions every day. Once in a while, yes, my daughter and I, especially daddy-daughter date night, Right, we'll have some ice cream, we'll have some pizza, stuff like that. And I want her to see that that should be a part of life too. But when my daughter wants me to play, I want to have the energy to play. When she says, Daddy, can we go out for a bike ride or can we go to the park and play? I want to have the energy for those things. And so that's a part of my why. Yeah, I having abs or, or, or staying at a certain body fat, that, that, that has some aesthetic benefit to it. But I don't think with most people, if that is truly their main motivation it doesn't last you have to have all these other reasons and uh, your daughter actually was just here you brought her in with you and she just came back from martial arts she's seeing everything that you're doing the choices that you're making you're an example for her i know your daughter and my daughter are swimming together tomorrow all day and they'll play all day and that's the kind of lifestyle we want to promote for them and be that example she did a rope climb last week in your gym all the way to the bell and me and her doing it eight years old, there's several college and, and high school athletes and students that can't do that. Absolutely. To do cl- a rope climb to a ceiling, getting over the fear of heights, having the confidence to put one hand on top of the other, you know, like your new logo and reaching and with the root system and all of that. At eight years old to be able to do that because of the, you know, the making better decisions or seeing a mentor like her mom's a great mentor. I try to be for Mia's got great mentorship. She's doing the, you know, the, the triathlon trials the other night on the bike and the running <laughs> after she got done swimming for a couple hours that, that, that a lot of people might look at that and go, well, are they, are they having fun? Well, heck yeah, they're going to be at a pool tomorrow, you know, playing for nine hours with tons of energy because they're making the right decisions. And I, how are you supposed to look at life if you can't enjoy that kind of stuff? I see kids that are eight and nine in their, in their classrooms that are 60, 70 pounds overweight. And I don't look down on them. I feel bad. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what decisions were made to even get that started? And why couldn't it have been combated in the first two weeks, let alone three, four years down the road where it's almost impossible to make the turnaround? What is going to happen in the next eight years, 16 years? Keep going on. And, 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 and the, the, the average lifespan of a male in this country is 72 or 73 years old now. If you're already 60 pounds overweight at eight years old, and you don't want to address it and have a little bit of stern guidance on that, then what the heck are you going to do when you're 18 years old and you can't get out of bed? You don't have the confidence to go talk to a girl to take her on a date. You don't, what, what happens? I, you see it all the time. There's no use in sugarcoating it. I, I want them to make the right decisions to where when they're 18, they're like, they're in shape. They feel good about themselves. They're living a healthy lifestyle. I don't 
everybody knows you could die tomorrow, Matt. That, that you don't know what your deck of cards you're dealt. You really don't. Right. I know an unbelievable athlete that just got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer just now. That was an unbelievable athlete in high school and college. It has four kids that are all unbelievable athletes. And get to get. I, I know another one that just passed away of four stage pancreatic cancer two years ago. He played professional baseball. Had two unbelievable daughter athletes. Beautiful daughters. So you just never know what you're going to get, but you might as well give yourself every opportunity that if you get the chance to live a long life, you might as well do it with quality years and a quality health system and and nutrition and working out and being active because your brain gets lazy too. You really, all of that stuff adds up. I'm telling you, it adds up the confidence level, the vanity, everything wrapped up into one ball. It can, it can, it's either going to pay dividends or it's going to hold you back in life. Period. I don't think you can go through life being out of shape and unhealthy and stay happy and stay confident. I really don't. That's my opinion. You might say different, and there might be scientific research and proof out there that says, no, there's a lot of CEOs in this world that are 60 pounds overweight. And I'm going to look you in the face and go, no, there's not. Because every CEO that I know that runs a successful business that wants people to look up to him, to be a mentor, to be a leader, to have people develop that momentum and to really take ownership in his brand and his company, they don't. They don't show that. They don't show lazy. I'm not saying there aren't some, but for the most part, the ones that I know really better themselves every day, physically, mentally, psyche-wise, nutrition-wise, relationship-wise, all of that stuff added up is our existence. You're not going to sit here and persuade me any otherwise. So I, would be, I was not going to go down that route of ever falling down that rabbit hole of getting way out of shape and then having to fight back. Oh, I'm on the Atkins diet right now. No carbs. But when I go back to eating like a man... I'm going to gain all that weight back. No, I'm going to I'm going to earn that potato or that french fry because I'm going to be working out and doing cardio or burning calories or doing things that allow me to live that lifestyle. I, it's it's, it's yeah. not that hard. It's yeah. really not that hard. You're just talking about I like to say that habits are your best friend or your worst enemy. And ultimately, you're talking about having good habits most of the time when you do have some of those off times where you're going to choose something that's maybe not in your normal plan, that's fine. And I think sometimes when I talk to parents, especially with my business, they can take a little of offense because I I feel like they're, it's like, it's not about what kind of a parent you are when we're talking about what you buy at the grocery store. I'm just saying that you could start to choose better You can make better choices, have better habits that, yes, it's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit your kids. You don't want your kids to learn some of the bad habits that you've acquired. So make it a family thing where you make those changes together. And that can be very, very healthy and and helpful for the for the whole family. Right. Somebody could look at me and go, well, she's climbing that rope, but she never gets to go to McDonald's and play in the playland and have a, a cheeseburger. She never gets to go to Chuck E. Cheese. That's not true. Right. She does. I've seen my daughter eat a cheeseburger in front of me. I've seen my daughter in a McDonald's. I've seen my daughter celebrate her birthday at a Chuck E. Cheese and eat pizza. And she's still doing rope climbs with probably 8 to 10, 12% body fat with abs at 8 years old and doing karate. That's not a raw, raw thing. Right. She enjoys it. I'm not pressuring her. If she said right now, I don't want to go back to MMA right now, I go, no problem. Yeah, She loves volleyball. You know what? She didn't like dance, so she got out of that. She didn't like soccer, so she got out of that. She didn't like gymnastics because it was getting too rough on her knees, so she got out of that. My daughter's in the 99.5 percentile of height, so mm-hmm. she got out of that, of, of gymnastics, because it was rough on her. She does this. She enjoys it. She likes the camaraderie. She likes the social aspect of working out in the karate, the volleyball, the team, the discipline, the, you know, the, the sense of unity there. That's so important in life. And for somebody to look at me and go, 
She's doing what? She's practicing. She had a smile on her face. She loves every second of it. And then she'll go to McDonald's or go get a Slurpee once in a while and enjoy that too because that's what kids do. Right. I, I ate McDonald's when I grew up. I, don't, I didn't eat it every day. We could barely afford it. We had McDonald's house burgers, you know, with on, on generic wheat bread where Eddie Murphy said the ketchup and the tomato would be running through the bread all down your hand. This ain't no McDonald's burger, mom. That was us, but we still had cheat meals when we were kids once in a while. But we right. never let it get to the point to where oh, those kids don't do anything except work out. They shouldn't have them working out like that. Why not? I'm not saying that they're on a squat program and a deadlift program at eight years old. We'd be an idiot to do that. But they're still being active. Right. They'll swim for literally seven or eight hours tomorrow with supervision, with the right amount of sun lotion right. and the protection of the sun and not letting their skin get screwed up. It's all relative, right? Yeah. A lot of kids aren't going to be that active. And I, I just think that you're making those right decisions like you're talking about is key. Oh, no. I mean, I've already seen so many of me as um, – friends, people around her that are her age that are not um, very active. They're already on their cell phones a lot. Uh, they have cell phones at their age is crazy to me, but they don't move as much as I feel like they should. And they're not being a kid because Mia, she is having fun. She's she's not being pushed to get out there and, you know, run or to bike or to, you know, she wants to do these things, but she also understands that to have the energy to have the right environment around her is important and so she sees things I feel like in a very healthy way and that's important to me I, I think sometimes also kids they start to see things like food as being like they'll hear their parents say something very simple like the the mom might not be happy with her figure and she'll uh, talk about how she doesn't like her figure and you have to be careful with those kind of things because the kid will hear that and start to you know see themselves in the same way well I'm this I'm this mom's kid I'm going to have the same kind of problems well no you know you just you 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 have the choice to, to make better decisions and if you have those habits from the time you're very young it's just so much easier isn't it I think you're hitting on a lot of different things there as far as habits. And I, I really think that there's a right way to instill those good habits in, in kids and even in teenagers. I, it, it really does bother me when I see what you're talking about, the inactivity that can happen in a human being. I think our bodies are made to be active. They really are. And the other part about what you just said with seeing the mom and the, the daughter thinking the same about herself is like in today's age with how many likes did I get on this picture? And if a kid gets on social media at a young age or a teenage, there's scientific research going on. I was talking to Gilbert about it the other day and medications being developed to fight depression in adolescence because they're not getting as many likes on a Instagram picture. And I'm like, that makes, that makes no sense. So you look at the, well, if I'm not as pretty as that girl, or I'm not as in shape of that girl, get off of that. Do it for yourself. Make the right decisions. Create the right habits for yourself. Don't worry about what somebody's doing down the street. Do it for yourself. And, and pretty soon, everything's going to happen for a reason. Just take care of yourself and do things for the right reasons, like I said before, and everything's going to come together. You don't need to do go work out to look like Matt Pendola. I'd be dumb to think I'm ever going to look like you. I'm not built like you. I don't have the same muscle mass as you. I don't have the same body type as you. I don't live the same lifestyle as you and I don't run away from that 
I work out because I enjoy it and it makes me feel better. I think it makes me look better and I perform better on that. And that's all there is to it. Better habits make me better at what I do in life. It makes me a way better father, a way better friend, a way better mentor, a way better TV host, podcast host, brand guide, ambassador, pro staffer, whatever you want to call me. It makes me better at all of that. If I did not feel good about the way I look or feel, I wouldn't be as as successful as I feel like I have the chance to be. Yeah, really well said. So let's wrap this up, Chad. You have a podcast that we mentioned, This Life Ain't For Everybody. People can go on there and subscribe. You want to just tell people a little bit about what that podcast is about, um, what they'll be listening to. Besides, of course, you know me, I come on there about once a month or so. I do the health and uh, fitness side of things for your podcast, which is an honor. I absolutely love being a part of your brand as well. And so, but why would people tune into your podcast? What are they going to hear there? Well, I appreciate that. And I, the, the name says something that my people might think, oh, you know, like they, you don't want to be a duck hunter. You don't want to be a trainer. Like th- th- it doesn't mean this life that we live isn't for you. I'm talking about all walks of life. When I say that, I've, you've heard me talk about before that hunting is the common denominator that brings all these different walks of life together. When I named it that, I first took first of all I took it from a sign in Nashville at a bar that George Strait's part owner in about the honky tonk lifestyle and the Nashville lifestyle. Coming up in the honky tonks, living living that life of staying up late and playing for ten people at a time and smoking cigarettes and doing all the things that those guys did. They said, "Well, this life ain't for everybody." And I took that and I'm like, "Well, I can apply that and say, hey." I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a, I'm not a soldier that fights for our rights and our freedoms. I'm not a trainer like Matt Pendola. All of those different walks of life can come together. Just because it, my life isn't for you doesn't mean that we can't break down barriers and be friends. And I think that once I, I got over the fact that, hey, if he's a Democrat and I'm a conservative, we can't be friends, or he's, he's this religious background and I'm this, we can't. That's all, that's all nothing to me anymore. I think that talking to people, transparency, conversation, conversing, getting back to actually sitting across like we are right now and talking face-to-face is so much more beneficial and important than instant messaging or text messaging or Facebook and or Instagram messaging. All of that stuff is just a cop-out. Mom, I love you. Well, that's a quick text. Well, what about going and picking mom up and taking her out to a lunch or go, taking her out and going swimming with her hiking that day? That's more important than a text message. I'm not saying that we all don't get busy and can't and, 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 and don't have time sometimes, but I think talking is important. So, all these different walks of life on This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. It's not just hunting. We got fitness on there. We got barbecue and we got professional athletes, professional MMA fighters. We have everything from entrepreneurs to Kelly Parati. Your wife's been on there. Mike Stoker's been on there. Entrepreneurial Spirit of America, business talks, mentorship. There's there's everything we want to talk about. I don't want to pigeonhole myself because I think that I have a lot to offer with this network that we've been lucky enough and humble enough to build. We have access to a lot of cool stories. And to get on the Howard Stern show, what do you have to be? Famous. To get on Good Morning America, you have to be kind of famous. To get on Ellen or David Letterman or whatever, you have to be famous. Podcasting allows us to hear your story, Jake's story, my story, Joe Blow's story down the street. America is made up of this melting pot of these threads that are so interesting. And it's all woven together now, and this life ain't for everybody to hear this week. And I'll end it by saying this. I leave Friday. I'm in a podcast with a country music guy named Zach Brown, his bass player, Matt Mangiano, a guy named Fred Eichler. That is a legend in TV and outdoor TV. That's in Denver. I go to Kansas City and I podcast with Michael Hunsucker, who started a hunting brand called Heartland Bowhunter and Heartland Waterfell six or seven years ago, and he's very successful. 
I get the podcast with George Brett, my childhood hero, first ballot Hall of Famer, the Pine Tar incident, three different batting titles in three different decades will never be done again. He had an unbelievable baseball career. He was my hero growing up. And now I get the barbecue and podcast with him in his backyard. At the same time, Chad Ward, who's won the grand eight times, he's a, a pit master for Traeger. He's going to be in George Brett's backyard. I'll podcast with him. And then Ned Yost, the current manager of the Royals, is going to do the podcast. Then I leave there and I go to Phoenix and I get to podcast and talk to our good friend, Ryan Bader who's the current heavyweight champion of the world and Grand Prix champion in Bellator MMA. So through podcasting, I get to sit down and talk to all these different walks of life. Some are barbecue, some are baseball coaches, some are Hall of Famers, some are musicians, some are just Joe Blow, some are TV hosts on the Outdoor Channel. And it's just a cool, diverse selection of guests. I want to diversify the audience. And as the brand continues to grow, we're 13 months old right now, I want people to be able to tune into This Life Ain't For Everybody and find something that they want to listen to. And maybe they'll go, that was good. I'm going to listen to the next one. Even though I have no interest in fitness, right now i'm gonna listen to matt pendola and go wow that just sparked something in me or i'm gonna listen to chad ward and wow that just sparked me i want to become a better barbecuer to supply a healthier form of food by grilling for my family instead of frying for them every night i mean whatever there's just all these different things that i want people to tune in and listen and we're going to continue to work hard to bring those stories of america or people different people in our communities out so people can sit there and go man this really is a badass country that we live in made up of so many different diverse personalities and people that we're lucky to have podcasting to learn those stories. Yeah, I love it. Listening to other people's stories and how they got there. It's uh, something that really motivates me because I can think to myself, I can do it. If that person can do it, I can do it. Maybe it's uh, a different reason I have, or maybe it's a different story that I have for my own life, but I can use all those examples to get a better version of me every day. And you, sir, definitely walk the walk. You don't just talk to talk. It's an honor to have you here. Real pleasure. Thanks for being here today, Chad. Yeah, Pandola Project. This is going to be awesome. I'm happy to be a guest on it. And thank you for all you do for myself, my nephews, my brothers, and uh, the TV show, This Life Ain't For Everybody. Look forward to having you on there again real soon. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening to the Pandola Project. We do this for you. Hopefully you gain something that you can use practically in your own life. If you like the show, tell a friend or give us a review wherever you're listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Reno Running Company, where they have all the gear and advice to get you going and keep you going. Get in touch on Facebook. We are The Pendola Project or by email at pendolaproject at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week.